please join me in the litany of invitation and confession. We gather for worship as we bring our scattered thoughts and lives and loyalties into this sanctuary. We gather for worship as we walk away from the frustrations of the week. We delight in God's invitation to the relationship and goals. We gather for worship so that we may confess our sins and own the shadows in our lives, for these haunt our joys and diminish our hopes. Sisters and brothers, God knows us and loves us. God brings our shadow into the healing light of grace. God has forgiven us. Let us lift our voices in gratitude to God. Welcome to the worship of God at Northside Drive Baptist Church. As we gather on this fourth Sunday in the season of Lent, we gather as God's people for praise and worship. I love the last line of the hymn we just sang, Lost in Wonder, Love and Praise. And so, we come lost to be found in those good ways. Welcome especially to guests who are here all the way from Kenner and New Orleans and other places. As we gather, I uh, want you to feel welcome and for all of us to feel welcome. There is on the edge of the order of service a, a welcome card. If you'd complete that and drop it in the plate, it'll help me connect name and face with you. And then for any of you who would like to be prayed for this week, it's an honor for our staff and for our deacons to pray for you by name and by need. And you can place the prayer request on that card as well and drop that in the offering plate and we'll be praying for you. This Sunday has a name. It's called Latare Sunday. It means let us rejoice. It's similar to the third Sunday in the season of Lent of Gaudete Sunday, a time of rejoicing. The, uh, the tradition is that if you're, uh, if you're observing Lenten disciplines, that by the time we get here, on the fourth week of Lent, and we can stand on tiptoes and look and maybe even see Easter joy from here. In fact, the gospel lesson that we'll hear read today is the story of the prodigal or the lost son. And in that, in that chapter, there's a lost son, a lost sheep, a lost coin, but there's also a celebration of joy when each one is found. So we gather with that kind of spirit today. The 
um, epistle lesson that will be read later in the service is from uh, 2 Corinthians. It's the text that, was that I used when we had uh, Kenneth Dean's funeral a few weeks ago about being reconciled to God and being reconcilers among each other. And then the first text we will hear is about when Israel uh, needed to grow up. Now that you're in the promised land, the manna's not going to fall anymore. You need to eat the crops that you grow in the land where you live. Joel Stauffer will be playing um, a gift uh, on the piano for us today. It will be a part of the meditation that we use as we worship God. Again, welcome. The Israelites eat their first meal in the land of Canaan, a reading from the book of Joshua. The Lord said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away from you the disgrace of Egypt, and so that place is called Gilgal to this day. While the Israelites were camped in Gilgal, they kept the Passover in the evening on the fourteenth day of the month in the plains of Jericho. On the day after the Passover, on that very day, they ate the produce of the land, unleavened cakes and parched grain. The manna ceased on the day they ate the produce of the land, and the Israelites no longer had manna, so they ate the crops of the land of Canaan that year. Here ends the first lesson. And now let's say our prayers together. Holy God, we gather once again in the warmth and beauty of this sanctuary to worship you, just as we do each week here at Northside Drive. But, O oh God, in the season of Lent, our worship feels a bit different, for the shadow of the cross grows larger before us, and in its shadow we are reminded of our sin and brokenness. Guide us through the remainder of this season, that we may not avoid the struggle and hard work of Lent. Help us not to run away from the realities of our lives, but rather help us to open ourselves to the good things you offer us through the cleansing depths of repentance. You desire, O oh God, to create in each of us a clean heart. So wash our hearts free of the tarnish of self-interest that we may be sensitive to those around us. Purge our hearts of deceit and pretense that all our dealings may be marked by dependability and honesty. Cleanse our hearts that they, may be, that they may be free of old sin and fitting places for good thoughts and ideas to be born. You long to renew a right spirit within us, O oh God. We are haunted by our wants, unwilling to admit that more often than not, when we have what we want, we do not have what we need. We have trouble rejoicing in our blessings because sometimes grief overtakes us and we want more. Renew a right spirit within us, O oh God, that anger and bitterness may no longer hold prime seats in our lives. May we instead find the strength to persevere without counting the hurts and to find within ourselves the capacity to keep on loving. You offer us comfort in your presence, O oh God. We need you when life tumbles in, when health is something we used to have, when pain becomes more than something someone else endures. We need you when fear of tomorrow is more than something we read in the newspaper 
We need you when life gets mixed up and we can't make clear decisions about what to do. Remind us, O God, that whenever we need you, your arms are open wide enough to hold all of our pain. You desire, O God, for us to find joy in living. Make us whole persons. Where there is illness, give hope and signs of improvement. Where there is loneliness, send the fullness of someone who cares. Where there is pain, send release. Where there is depression, send a new sense of self-worth and optimism. And where there is boredom, make us an offer to which we can't say no. O God, uphold us within your spirit and walk with us through the rest of this Lenten season. And no matter how dark the shadow of the cross may become, may fear not overtake us. May we be reminded that you are the one who accepts us as we are, loves us unconditionally, and whose forgiveness longs for us to be all you have created us to be. Now hear us, O God, as we join our voices together to pray the prayer Christ taught his disciples long ago to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Since we have been reconciled to God, we are to be messengers of reconciliation. A reading from the second letter of Paul to the Corinthians. From now on, therefore, we regard no one from a human point of view. Even though we once knew Christ from a human point of view, we know him no longer in that way. So if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See? Everything has become new. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting the message of reconciliation to us. So we are ambassadors for Christ, since God is making his appeal through us. We entreat you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Here ends the second lesson.
all the children please come forward at this time? Hey, everybody. Good morning. Megan, will you hold this picture? Can you hold that one on me? Scooch over just a little. Hey, Mary Frances, will you hold that for me? Hey, Aaron, will you hold that for me? Hey, good morning. It's so good to see you guys. Hey, I um, this morning I wanted to talk to you about um, this story that Senior this week. So this is a different story than we're going to hear from uh, Pastor, uh, that we're going to hear in the sermon today. And this is a story, can you see that picture? And can you see this picture that Leah's holding? This is about when Jesus healed a man who couldn't move. And it's kind of a special story because since he couldn't move, somebody had to take him to Jesus. And what he was hoping to get from Jesus was healing. And remember in our devotional, we're kind of talking about things that Jesus gave to people. And so this week we're going to talk about how Jesus gave healing. Mary Frances was holding my ambulance right here. This is what usually takes you someplace if you get hurt, right? Like if you can't move and you've got to get someone to help you and heal you, you get in the ambulance, you go to the doctor, right? But you know what? There were no ambulances back when Jesus was preaching. So, you know what? There was, there was, um, there were people. And I just have this string right here. And I just want everybody to pass it to the next person and just hold on to it when you do. No, just hold it. Make sure you touch it. Yeah, and then... Make sure you pass it to Sloan so she gets um, mm some. And see, I got to thinking about this story because what happens in this story is there's this man who's paralyzed and he can't move and he wants to be healed. But he has to get someone to take him to Jesus for his healing. And he, what happens, I'm going to pass it to Leah, is that he has these four friends and they put him on a mat And they take him to Jesus. Well, they can't get him to Jesus because there's so many people around Jesus. They can't even see through the door because there's people that are in the door. So what they do is they put him on a mat and they have these ropes. They put him on a mat, probably made of thread. And they have these ropes like Leah was holding. And they open up the ceiling and they, all four of them, take these ropes and they kind of lower him down until he's right in front of Jesus. And I got to thinking about that story. And Jesus does heal him. Jesus does. He, he forgives his sins. And then he says, get up and go. And he does. But see, the special part of this story to me, before Jesus, is that all four of his friends, together, lower him on this mat. He couldn't have gotten to Jesus without the help of his friends. Everybody pull on your string. Kind of tug it. Feel everybody tugging back? Well, that got me thinking. We're all kind of connected, aren't we? And when his friends helped him, see, that was connected 
to Jesus and his healing of him. He couldn't have been healed without the help of his friends. So, sometimes I think Jesus gives us these special gifts, but when he does, we're all kind of connected to each other. And maybe, maybe, just maybe, we can kind of help give gifts of God and Jesus to other people. Yeah? If we help each other. Tug, tug. We're all connected. Okay, let's say a prayer while we're connected. Dear God, thank you for how much you give to us. Help us to give to each other at all times. In your name we pray, amen. Okay, I take my string. Wide it back up, how about that? All right, y'all go with Miss Mary Lou. Jesus tells the parable of a father and two sons. It is an invitation to receive and celebrate God's ceaseless grace. A reading from the Gospel according to Luke. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. There was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that will belong to me. So the father divided his property between them. A few days later, the younger son gathered all he had and traveled to a distant country. And he, and he spent everything. He squandered his property in dissolute living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine took place throughout that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He would gladly have filled himself with the pods that the pigs were eating, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired hands have bread enough and to spare? And here I am, dying of hunger. I will get up and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son, so treat me like one of your hired hands. So he set off and went to his father. But while he was still far off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran and put his arms around him and kissed him. And then the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, Quickly, bring out a robe, the best one, and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. And get the fatted calf and kill it. Let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his elder son was in the field, and when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. He called 
stopped one of the slaves and asked what was going on. And the slave replied, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fatted calf, because he has got him back safe and sound. Then the brother became angry and refused to go in. His father came out and began to plead with him. But he answered his father, Listen, for all these years I have been working like a slave for you, and I have never disobeyed your command. Yet you have never given me even a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours comes back, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. Then the father said to the son, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice, because this brother of yours was dead and has come to life. He was lost and now is found. The Gospel of the Lord. Once upon a time, once upon a time, in the faraway city of Krakow, Poland, there lived a poor Jewish man named Isaac, son of Yekel. Now, Isaac lived a very routine life, some might even call it boring, until one night when Isaac, son of Yekel, could not go to sleep, because in the night, a dream kept haunting him. It was a dream about the faraway city of Prague, long distance from Krakow. That in Prague, he could see the city. He could see the stones of the bridge leading into the city. And in the dream, he could see and feel the crunch of the path that led under the bridge. And in the dream, he could see that at the end of the footpath, there in the earth and the grass that there was a great treasure buried there. He remembers that it was very peculiar to see everything with such clarity. The cityscape of Prague, the stones of the bridge, the crunch of the path, and the place where the treasure uh, was buried. Well, that wasn't the oddest thing about the dream, as odd as that was, because the very next night he had the same dream again. And the next night, and the next night, for several weeks, he dreamed the dream and was getting no sleep. And so Isaac, son of Yekel, said, I think it's time that I exercise this dream, and the only thing I know to do is to go to Prague and see for myself. And so Isaac puts on his backpack, picks up his shovel, walks out of the house, and walks all the way from Krakow to Prague. As he nears Prague, he's surprised it. it looks exactly how he had dreamed it. The shape of the buildings, the faraway city. When he got to the bridge, it was as exactly how he had seen the stones and the bridge. There was the footpath that led beside the bridge and under the bridge, and there was the exact spot, just like he had seen it in the dream of where the treasure was buried. Well, he puts down his backpack, he picks up his shovel, sticks the shovel into the earth, puts his foot on the back, and 
begins to push it in when all of a sudden, as he does, a policeman shows up, grabs him by the nap of the neck, and says, what are you doing in our city? I'm taking you down to jail to get the answer. So here's Isaac, son of Yekel, being pulled off like a criminal, hauled down to jail, and thrown behind bars. The policeman then says, So what are you doing in our city? Isaac, being a poor man, he was also a rather naively honest man. And he starts telling the policeman the whole story about the dream, the city, the bridge, the path, underneath the bridge, and the buried treasure. He told it all to the policeman, whereupon the policeman there in Prague began to laugh. He laughed and laughed and then says to Isaac, you silly old Jew, you can't go around chasing dreams. Why, what would my life be like if I chased the dream that has been been plaguing me every night for the last few weeks because I've had this dream that in the faraway city of Krakow, there is this poor Jew named Isaac, son of Yakel. And in his poor house, there is a fireplace, and beneath the stone flooring, there's a great treasure buried. Now, what would my life be like, asked the policeman of his prisoner, what would my life be like if I was just chasing dreams? I don't have the time to do it. You don't have the time to do it. If I go to Krakow, half of the Jews are named Isaac. The other half are named Yekel. All of them are poor, and all of them have a fireplace. I'd never get home. And so, with a kick of his boot, the policeman sent Isaac along his way with the backpack, with the shovel, and Isaac walks back all the way from Prague to Krakow. And when he gets in Krakow, he goes in the door of his house, he walks over to the fireplace. He moves the stones in the floor, and there is the treasure. That's a great treasure. A treasure so large, in fact, he's able to marry off his five daughters. It was a different day back then. Married off his five daughters, was able to retire early as a wealthy and generous man. That's the story of Isaac, son of Yaakov. Now, you know the punchline, don't you? The moral of the story. It is that the treasure he sought was at home all along. The treasure was at home all along. But the rabbis add a P.S. Though the treasure was at home all along, the knowledge of the treasure was in Prague. Does that story have any echo with the story that Karen just read about this prodigal who leaves home, goes to the faraway country, comes to himself to return to the Father's house and love? Does that have an echo for you? Or even more importantly, in the traction of your life, Does it have an echo 
for your life is that your story. The treasure was at home all along, but the knowledge of the treasure was in the faraway country. Not only does it have an echo in my life, it, it is my story in many ways. The first time I heard that story was a long time ago. I was uh, living in Pineville, Louisiana. I was working at Rapids Regional Medical Center as a chaplain, and I had started my doctoral work at New Orleans Seminary. I drove to the seminary every Tuesday morning. It was a four-hour, one-way drive. I would leave at 5 o'clock, drive, get to the library there about 9 o'clock, do my library work all morning long, then go to class, back to do some more library work, and then start the journey back to Pineville. It was a long day. Matter of fact, that was a long year. But part of what made it longer was the burden that I was carrying in my soul. Because I had already seen something emerging that just scared me to death, which was I could see a divorce coming at me from the horizon. That was a secret that I kept in my heart, but it made the mileage and the distance even further. As I would leave the seminary every Tuesday, I would stop by the, the audiovisual section of the library. It was a closet. I mean, literally. It was about four feet square, the whole audiovisual. Mainly, it was cassette tapes. Now, cassette tape <clears throat> um, is a rectangularly shaped piece of plastic. Um, it would take too long. If, if you don't know what it is, ask your grandfather or grandmother. I would pick up the cassette, and I didn't have a cassette player in the car. It was a Ford Pinto wagon, but I had a player sitting on the seat there. I would select uh, cassettes of people that I admire, admired heroes of mine. Some were pastoral caregivers like Wayne Oates at Southern Seminary or Myron Madden down at Southern Baptist Hospital or pastors like Carlisle Marney and others. I would listen to those on the eight-hour commute back and forth on those Tuesdays. And one of those days, I was just looking around and, and then there I, I can still grasp it. Uh, in my memory, it was a white box with red lettering, and it said, Storytelling, the Enchantment of Theology. It was done by Belden Lane, who taught theology at St. Louis University in St. Louis. I'd never heard of him, never heard of it. Decided to take it, to listen to it. Baton Rouge was about halfway home and it was about the time I reached Baton Rouge that I heard him tell that story of Isaac, son of Yekel. And I recognized it as my own story. For I had come a long way and was at a place in my own life and soul of displacement. The place of displacement. And I wasn't sure that I could see the way back to the center of where I had come from. Has that ever happened to you? Where you ended up in a place that felt as foreign as the dark side of the moon? 
and found your place, yourself in a displaced place. It may have been in the court where the judge hit the gavel and said, divorce granted. It could have been a misplaced place as you sat in the uncomfortable emergency waiting room when the doctor comes out and you can smell the antiseptic odor that just burns your nose and the doctor says, well, I've got some bad news. We, we did all we could do. And you were in a misplaced place. Or you were standing by your mother's grave while the green awning flapped in the wind right beside you. Have you been in those places where it felt that you were in a far country from where you had ever been? And it felt like home was so far in the rearview mirror that you could never return. We are all in search of a treasure, but always the best treasures seem buried. Even the treasure of our awareness of God. Seems to me most of the time the treasures are buried beneath the hard work of family. You know, living with family, getting along with family, finding yourself and staying connected to family. It's buried among the grief over loss, the loss of a gift that you have been given but could not keep. Buried because the location of the treasure and the knowledge of the treasure are so far apart. Jesus tells a story to people like that, which would be like me, which would be like you. People that are in between the life of the treasure and the knowledge of it. He tells these stories in this uh, chapter of Luke about a lost son, a lost uh, sheep, and a lost coin, or a found sheep, a found coin a found son. He tells the story of the younger son who was known to everybody in the house but himself. He had to go there to find that. It takes a far country for him to know that. It's only in the far country that he realizes that his dream has turned into a nightmare. But God doesn't... doesn't Let go of our nightmares. God transforms them, sometimes back into dreams that are greater than the dreamer's capacity. Wednesday, as we studied this in the Bible study, someone said, this sounds a lot like Joseph in the Old Testament, who is the dreamer before whom all of his brothers were going to bow one day. That was his dream. And the dream came through in faraway Egypt, But if you remember how Joseph throws himself on their shoulders, weeps, tears that drip down their backs, that run down his face, that he he ends up dreaming a dream larger than the dream he could have ever imagined. God gave him a bigger dream. Jesus tells this story to these Pharisees standing all about him. They were all elder brothers. And you know how elder brothers can be. In fact, I am one. I know how they can be. The text says, And they kept on complaining to Jesus, 
while others in need kept on coming to Jesus. It's, a, it's hard to let go the habit of complaint because it keeps us good company, especially we who are the elders and the eldest. After all, we are the deserving ones. This parable is like a screwdriver under the lip of the lid of a paint can. I'm just imagining those Pharisees didn't like one word of it because it was about them. And the paint had dried and Jesus twists the head of the flathead screwdriver and it pops and oh, they didn't intend for that to come out. It just irks the elder son or all of us elder sons when the fathers act so goofy. Remember the story that when the father sees the son, the younger son, coming down the road, what does the proud, patriarchal, Middle Eastern father do? He doesn't wait proudly. He starts running, runs down the road to meet him. I said years ago when uh, uh, Garrett Ray was our acolyte, he's, he's now our acolyte emeritus, but he would draw pictures during the sermon, and he drew the picture of the father running down the road as I described him. I said, and his robe is flapping up over his knees, maybe even going over his head. Garrett drew that out. As the father arrives, he collapses on the son's shoulder, his tears streaming. You see it on the front cover of your order of service, right? The Rembrandt there, though pictured in a cloistered way. But you see the father reaching around the son, two hands on. Henry Nouwen says one hand looks masculine and gripping him. The other hand looks feminine and holding him. And in this moment of repentance, the son knows he's home because he's embraced by the love of the father. Now, the elder brothers, we would say, well, it's a questionable repentance. We need to see more evidence. But the father doesn't wait. Bring the big ring and the new robe and the ready-made dancing shoes. It's latare. It's time to rejoice. He who was lost has been found. Indeed, Son was glad to be home, the father was glad that he was home, but there was one that was not glad for the father, glad for the prodigal to be home. I remember reading long ago in a book written by Dick Van Dyke, yes, that Dick Van Dyke, called Faith, Hope, and Hilarity. And he says that there was a Sunday school teacher teaching this lesson and said, and when the son comes home, the father rejoices. But there was one, there was one there in the house who did not want to see the son come home. Who was it? And the kid raises his hand and says, the fatted calf. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure if the fatted calf was doing brackets for March Madness, he was hoping to have made it to the final four. But alas, the fatted calf did not make it that far. Yeah, there's hardly anything more satisfying than a self-justifying sulk. With lips poked out, the elder brother almost would get him caught in the windshield wipers. 
he was not glad the prodigal had come home. Prodigal means wasted, by the way. And he wasted his income on riotous living. Seems like everybody in this family wasted something. The younger one wasted time and money. The elder son wasted joy over jealousy. And the father, well, he may have wasted influence and leadership. He may have been as blind as the boys he was trying to rear. The thing about God is God is the ultimate ecologist. God is a recycler and takes that which is wasted and turns it into wonder. Wonder. Several of us this week went to uh, Lovett School to hear John Meacham uh, lecture. Uh, John Meacham, if you don't know him, is sort of a male version of um, Doris Kearns Goodwin. He's a presidential historian, and he was speaking about the soul of America. And he started his presentation by saying, regardless of who you voted for, my hunch is that you're worried about the soul of America these days and some of the moral crisis that we are in. And he told the story from a historical perspective. And one of the punchlines that he had is that when you, if you think we're in a displaced place today in American history, keep looking in our history books, nudging the better angels of our nature. You know that line from Abraham Lincoln. He said, fear evokes our worst impulses. He said, hope accesses our best for the common good. His conclusion was that the soul of America, of America is, may feel in jeopardy right now, but it is not in peril. Because at times of great stress, we have always mobilized to find the better, nature, better angels of our nature. And he said, maybe this is one of those times. So as you go out this week, try to live this fourth week in the season of Lent, maybe take two questions in memory of Isaac, son of Yekel, with you. The first question is, what treasure has been at home all along? Maybe you were the younger son and tried to escape it, or you were the elder son and too blind and too bitter to see it. What treasure has been there in your soul and heart and faith all along? And the second thing is, if you find yourself in a displaced place, what knowledge in that place can be learned? It could change how you see and where you see the treasure is. For the treasure can be in the most unlikely of faraway places. The treasure was at home in Krakow all along, but the knowledge of the treasure was in Prague. Amen.
It is our tradition that when a word is offered, an invitation to dedication is given. And it could be that as the Spirit moves in your heart, you discover all sorts of treasures that lie buried there that grace can restore, like the old gospel song. In a few moments, our choir will teach us and lead us in singing the hymn that's on 461. This also evokes our own memories and hopes. We'll remain seated in the first two stanzas, then we'll stand and sing the third and fourth. Let us listen. Now, wasn't that a rousing hymn? 
It sounded like Sacred Heart, didn't it, Jerry? I was almost looking for you to be directing over there. Uh, And we didn't have to sing 20 stanzas before somebody walked the aisle, either. Barry Creesman, come up here and stand beside me, please. Many of you have gotten to know Barry. Uh, He's been coming, I guess, since last summer. That's when I first met you. We were over in the chapel. And uh, Barry has been praying and pondering, and some of you have been twisting his arm in Jesus' name, about becoming a a member of Northside Drive Baptist Church. And so in our conversation, he said today's the day, and he comes to move his membership. He's a member uh, from years ago at Millbrook Baptist Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. I looked it up on the web to vet him, and it's an Alliance of Baptist Church and Cooperative Baptist Fellowship Church. And so they're sister, it's a sister church to us. Uh, he, uh, his, his day job is, I think, in the, uh, the secular world, you're a headhunter. <laughs> Physician recruiting is the prop, proper term uh, for emergency room docs in uh, western North Carolina. The whole state. The whole state of North Carolina. So uh, he's often busy during the week, but you'll see him here on Sunday. He comes wanting to move his membership. If you join me in welcoming him, would you lift a hand? And with that hand comes our love and our blessing and our prayers. In the order of service, there is a a reading of reception of persons for membership. Let's all read that together. As members of Northside Drive Baptist Church, we welcome you as you join us in this adventure of faith and faithful community. We offer you our love, our history, and our hope. We value your story of faith and invite you to serve with us as stewards of God's grace. Very welcome and welcome home. Have a seat over here by Beth, who's the chair of our deacons, and she will uh, take you to the narthex later and introduce you to all these people. At this time, Daniel. Barry, so glad you're joining us this morning. Uh, this time of the service, we always bring concerns and announcements uh, and updates. Wanted to bring a few of those to you this morning. A reminder, you see the food that's on display in the narthex. That's a food drive we're doing for the Buckhead Christian Ministry, and uh, that is continued uh, to be open during Lent. So bring in food that uh, benefits the food pantry of BCM. Also wanted to let you know that today is the last day to provide nominations for, uh, this is inside your order of worship, for the diaconate, the finance, and personnel committees, and also to sign up for the ministry teams that are, uh, their sign-up sheets are on the Narthex tables. We have a big need in the audio uh, committee. I noticed no one had signed up yet. We need some some uh, extra volunteers to help out. Brian Knight and Andrew Harden and Jim Mahaffey and others uh, regularly volunteer for that, and that would give them a break in in their volunteering efforts as well. So if you are uh, inclined to do that, we encourage you. The advantage is if you disagree with anything that happens in the church service, you can cut the mic. (laughs) Although that may result in disciplinary action, I don't know. Linton Thursdays this week at 6.45 p.m. Uh, our theme is Characters Around the, the Cross, and the character this Thursday will be Barabbas. Barabbas. 
And uh, let you know that next Tuesday is Triple E. So get your reservations in for Triple E. Our guest speaker is going to be Kathy White, who is a Northside Drive member, Helen White's daughter. And the subject matter is going to be the secret art of Dr. Seuss. I don't know what that means, but I'm, I'm for it. I'm interested, and I'll be there. I hope you can, too. Our prayer concerns this week, uh, I want to mention a few by name. We pray for Barney Moore, who we understand has had a very challenging week. So let's lift up uh, Barney and Angie um, Moore and the Moore family. For Bill and Stephanie Jones, um, who are struggling with Bill's cancer treatment and diagnosis. And uh, we also lift up those who are seeking refuge from terror uh, at the border, uh, there's a real crisis uh, at the southern border of the United States. So we, we pray for humanitarian refuge, and we pray for a change of heart. We pray for each of you who carry your own burdens. You know what they are, and we lift them up to God as God knows them too. The offertory hymn that we're about to hear uh, was originally written by a 19th century American Baptist named Robert Lowry, but it was arranged by a contemporary musician named Craig Courtney. And it speaks of the Lenten challenge that many of us may face. The storm, it says, no storm can shake my inmost calm. While to that rock I'm clinging, since Christ is Lord of heaven and earth, how can I keep from singing? Indeed, how can we keep from singing? Let's continue our worship with the giving of our tithes and offerings.
All loving God, we can't keep from singing. For our hearts abound in joy when we're in the center of your love. And when we're in a far country, our hearts sing of lament and longing, knowing that you will help us return. We give thanks for those who join us on this journey like Barry today. It's so good to have him home. So give us hope as we give these gifts in gratitude for your love. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. And as you leave at this part of the day, to go into life, remember these words. May the strength of Christ uplift you, the comfort of the Holy Spirit surround you, and the grace and mercy of God give you hope and give you courage this day and every day as we prepare to go in peace. Amen.